It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. This whole week, we're walking through and fleshing out Eric's sermon, Americanized. It's interesting. If you haven't gone back and listened to that message, I would highly encourage you to do so. Even though it was given almost a decade ago, the truths of that message are still very pertinent to the times in which we live. So if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to go to ellerslie.com and go to the sermons uh, tab or the menu and then search for Americanized. Or if you're listening this week, you can go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily. But I would encourage you to listen to the message because I think it is one that we, especially for those of us who live in Western culture, especially those of us who live in America, desperately need to hear in times and like, like we live in now. Uh, what I want to do is I want to kind of take a different angle on this idea of Americanized. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter 6. Uh, in the message, Eric brings up a particular word in the Greek. And I want to kind of just kind of expound on that idea just a little bit more. Uh, it's the Greek word peristemi. Uh, it's interesting, in Eric's definition, which I'm just going to read to you, this is from the message yesterday, he said, peristomy is to present and to yield unto the rightful owner, the rightful possessor. It is to place oneself at the disposal of another. It is to offer up, to relinquish, to make available, to give back to the one who rightfully owns it all in the first place. That word shows up in several places, incredible places in the New Testament, but very specifically, Paul uses it in Romans 6. In fact, he uses it countless times, probably not countless because we, we can count them, but numerous times in Romans chapter 6. And what I'd like to do is I just want to read verse 11 uh, down through verse 19 with you. Paul is making this incredible argument of, of this idea that we are dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul says, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. He says, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. By the way, that word reign has this idea of kingly authority. So do not allow sin to have kingly authority or that position of influence in your life. He says in verse 13, uh, do not yield your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield peristomy yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin, get this, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, says Paul. Do you not know that to whom you peristomy or yield your sl yourselves as slaves to obey, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thanks be to God for you were, were slaves of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Again, isn't it interesting that Paul uses this word several times, peristomy. It's this idea of to hand over, to yield. I love what he says in verse 13. Paul says, do you not recognize, I'll go back to verse 12. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign, have that kingly authority, in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Well, then what should we be doing? Paul says, do not yield, do not peristomy, do not hand over, do not yield your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather peristomy, yield, surrender yourself to God as to those who are alive from the dead and your bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. Uh, it's interesting that word for instrument, uh, the, an actual definition for that word instrument is a weapon of warfare. Think about this imagery. Paul says, hey, you are going to yield yourself to someone. You're either going to yield yourself over to sin or you are going to yield, peristomy, yourself over to God. Now, when I yield or surrender myself over to sin, what does sin do? Paul says sin is going to use you as an instrument. Sin is going to take you like a weapon of warfare, march out into your world and just produce unrighteousness. Isn't it interesting that you cannot sin in secret? And you can say, well, nobody knows about my sin and nobody knows what's going on. And hey, it's, it's all, hey, it's hidden. It's, 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 I'm good. That's not true. See, isn't it interesting that every time that I surrender myself over to sin, every time that I give myself over to the flesh, that sin is going to take me as a weapon of warfare, march out into my world, and will produce unrighteousness. Even if people don't know about the sin, Hey, it's producing unrighteousness in your home. It's producing unrighteousness in the church. It's producing unrighteousness in the city that you live. It's producing unrighteousness in the world in which you live. See, we don't sin in a vacuum. Now, I love this idea that as you're walking through Paul's argument in Romans chapter 6, he says sin has no authority over you. Hey, there, there is, sin cannot touch you if you are in Christ Jesus. It, it, it is like uh, Jesus has become a force field. It becomes a strong tower, if you will, that keeps you from, from the onslaught of sin. Sin has no authority in your life anymore. Sin was dealt with on the cross. But if you're like most people, you're like, but, but Nathan, why then do I keep on sinning? Well, it's not that you can't sin. We can sin. It's just that sin has no authority in our lives if we are believers. But I can still yield myself to it. See, if I want to put the noose around my, my own neck and I want to hand the rope over to sin, or if you want a different imagery, if, if you want to put the nose ring like a bull, you know, put the nose ring in your own nose, put, put a rope through it, and hand it off to sin, sin will lead you unto destruction. So it's not that we can't sin. We can sin. But in Jesus Christ, sin has no more authority in our lives. That is so incredible. So again, it doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. It it doesn't mean you're not going to give in to sin. But sin has no authority or power over you any longer. You are in Christ Jesus. So quit giving yourself over to sin. Because Paul says, hey, every time you yield yourself, every time you put the noose around your neck, every time that that you put the the bull nose ring uh, rope through, what is sin going to do? Sin is going to use you as an instrument. He's going to take you as this weapon of warfare, march out into your world and just produce unrighteousness. However, Paul says, do you realize that if you would yield yourself over to Jesus, if you would just surrender and submit yourself over to God, do you know what God's going to do with you? God is going to use you as an instrument, as a weapon of warfare. And he's going to march out into your world and just produce righteousness. So you do not get a choice of whether or not you're a weapon of warfare. You are an instrument. You are a vessel. 
You are a, you're an instrument that, that is going to be wielded. You do not get a choice of whether or not you are going to yield. You will yield. You are going to parise to me. The real question that we have to ask ourselves is to whom are we going to parise to me? Who, to whom are we going to yield? To whom are we going to surrender our lives? Either we are going to surrender our lives unto sin, which is going to use us for destruction, produce unrighteousness, or we're going to yield ourselves over to Jesus Christ and he is going to use us as a weapon of warfare to produce righteousness. Uh, that word again, that word peristomy shows up in Romans chapter 12. And let me just read this. This is, I love this passage. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says after this whole uh, argument of chapters 1 through 11, he says, I therefore beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, that you would yield, that you would peristomy your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you look at culture today, it's really interesting that we live in a culture that is totally me-centered. We live in a culture that is focused inward. Even in the church, you begin to notice that a lot of our songs, a lot of the stuff that we, we go through, the positions that we're trying to obtain, it's all about me. In fact, our favorite note in the musical scale is me. Me, 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 right? I mean, our, our favorite hymn of, of yesteryear is, oh, how I love me. I mean, we're just wrapped up in me. We're just, we're consumed with me. The, we think about me. We, we pamper me. We, hey, we just, hey, we're all about me. And yet the gospel is completely opposite of that. Uh, the gospel is, hey, surrender yourself. Hey, the gospel is all about, hey, deny yourself. The gospel is, hey, take up your cross. The gospel is all about, do not think about yourself, but rather stoop and serve the world around you. Uh, if, if you have a Bible, slip over a few pages to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, uh, Paul is given this incredible argument. And Paul says <clears throat> in uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 3, he says, Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit. Uh, some translations say selfish ambition. Hey, let nothing be done out of that selfish ambition. Uh, the word there, nothing, by the way, uh, the Greek word uh, that is translated here, nothing, means nothing. <laughs> nothing should be coming out of our life through selfish ambition. See, see nothing should be coming out of our lives uh, out, out of this uh, this, this translation says strife, this conceit, this striving, this, this self-focused thing. Well, well, what should our lives reflect? What, what should be the fragrance of our life? Paul goes on and says, But in humility, each esteem the other better than himself. Verse 4 says, Let each of you not only look not only to, the, to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he gets to verse 5, which is the capstone of this whole thing. It's the, it's the linchpin. And he says, let this mind or let this attitude or let this perspective, orientation of living be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then in verses 6 down through verse 8, he begins to describe the character, the life, the mind, this attitude of Christ Jesus. Well, which, what, what is the whole mind and attitude and, and, and thought process of Jesus? Oh, isn't it interesting that it's all about humility, it's all about a cross, it's all about a servant, Ponder this idea. When Jesus came to earth, 
you realize that he is God Almighty. And as God, he could have said, hey, worship me. Hey, do all this for me. Hey, pick up after me. And, and hey, just serve me. But yet Jesus says, I did not come to be served. I have come to serve. I've not come just to focus on myself. I've come to bleed, suffer, and die and pour my life out for the world around me. See, I have come that you might have life, says Jesus. And then he looks at us and says, hey, follow in my steps. Hey, follow, follow my life. Paul says, have the, have the same mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That just as he took a low position, you and I need to take a low position. Hey, just as he lived as a servant, so too we should live as a servant. Hey, just as he was obedient even to the point of death upon a cross, even so we should be obedient even to the point of death upon a cross. When you look at the cross of Christ, it's interesting that that cross was the lifestyle of Jesus. That Jesus was constantly bleeding, suffering, and dying everywhere he went. See, I cannot find a single passage in the Gospels where Jesus ever thought about himself. And you could say, well, you know, he, he went up on the mountain to pray. I get that. Well, you know, he, uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, he was asking the Lord to, re- to remove that. Yeah, but, but even in those scenes, this, this wasn't about him. This was all about us. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, every person he met, wasn't, hey, you need to serve me. It was, hey, how can I meet your needs? Hey, how can I pour my life out for you? Hey, 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 how, how, how can I wash your feet? Hey, can I roll up my sleeves and just pour out my life upon you? Hey, how can I meet your needs? And, and how can I serve? And just how can I? Wouldn't it be interesting if we had that in the church today? And wouldn't it be interesting if, if we didn't think about ourselves, but rather we turned outward? See, what if this wasn't about me and, and what I can do and what I can accomplish and me, 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 me? What if this really was about Jesus and all that he is longing to do through our lives. Could it be that what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 is actually to happen in our lives? That when he says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition, that truly nothing in our lives should be done out of selfish ambition, but rather in humility, we esteem, we, we look out for the interests of others more than even those of ourselves. See, that's how Jesus lived. And that's what we were called to. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Wouldn't it be interesting if we didn't have to seek our own well-being, but we were actually so outward-focused? See, we live in an American culture which is all wrapped up. It's all turned inward. It's all about our pampering and our, our, our fun, our entertainment, our pleasure, our whatever. And yet the reality of the gospel is it's all outward. It's, hey, how can I serve? How can I meet the needs? How, how can I pour my life out? Could I encourage you to live that kind of a life? Could, could I encourage you to repent of this Americanized, selfish, me-focused, garbly gook that we live in and instead say, Lord, here, here's this vessel and I'm going to freshly surrender myself. I'm going to yield me over to you. So would you use this instrument as a weapon of warfare? Would you march out into my world and would you produce righteousness? Oh, I want that for you. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. 
Note that our live in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume on weekdays this coming June at the Ellerslie campus in conjunction with our discipleship training season. Thanks for listening.